A couple of weeks ago, we turned from Thanksgiving and uh, November and started the month of December with anticipation. Would you stand with me while we read scripture? Our single scripture portion here is 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And let me recall for a little bit that other translators have said indescribable generosity to us. Inestimable gift. Incomparable gift. Inexpressible gift. Gift beyond words. Mm. And one said, no language can praise it enough. In the nativity scene, we go to Jesus being presented in the temple. That's the heading for this section as we start with verse 21 of Luke 2. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And verse 23 is parenthetical, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Resuming again at verse 24, And they were there in Jerusalem. They were there to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man a patient man in Jerusalem named called Simeon, who was righteous and devout and had been waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die, he, Simeon, would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the cost, custom of the law required, Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Little did they know Little could they know what all would be said. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Gail.
Well, this series has all been about has been all about the describable gift, indescribable gift that Jesus is to us. I want to share with you. Um, I I tried to find one that was more current for 2019, but I couldn't. So this is from a year ago, 2018. It's uh, from USA Today, written by Dalvin Brown. Um, it says, "Want to buy all the 12 days of Christmas?" gifts? On the 13th day of Christmas, your true love will be happy to have saved money on five golden rings this year. Some other items from the classic 12 days of Christmas carol, however, have gotten quite a bit pricier in 2018. The 35th annual PNC Christmas Index, uh, PNC is a banking firm, List the current price tag for all the items from the holiday song. According to this year's calculations, the total price for all 364 gifts is $450 more than last year. The increase is less than the government's consumer price index, which increased 2.5% in the same year over period. While we have witnessed more market volatility this year, consumer confidence remains strong and wage growth is beginning to catch up with high employment, said Amanda Agati, who represents that financial firm. So exactly how much would everything in the 12 days of Christmas cost? $39,094.93. So... Those of you who want to buy your true love, all these things, that's what you're going. Maybe a little more because this was 2018. Seven items from the famous song remain the same as last year. Those items include the pear tree, $199.95, two turtle doves for $375, three French hens at $181.50, and four calling birds at $599.96. Others that were priced the same as last year include seven swans of swimming, only $13,125. Eight maids of milking, I think it's $58 a maid. Um, I don't know how long the milking takes. <laughs> and nine ladies dancing for $7,552 and 84 cents. These items have got, these following items have gotten more expensive. One partridge costs you $20.18, which is 18 cents more than last year. Six geese of laying now cost $390, 8.3% more than last 2017, would have been a year ago from when this was written. Ten lords of leaping will cost a whopping $10,000, which is up 3%. I, I know you guys are finding this riveting. <laughs> Eleven pipers piping are $2,804.40, and 12 drummers drumming are $3,038.10, both increased 3.5%. Just telling us that these 12 days of Christmas get more expensive every year. But not everything has gone up. The five gold rings, which thanks to a decrease in demand and fluctuating gold prices in 2018, will cost $750, 9.1% less than the $825 it would cost in 2017. What about online shopping? Well, 
If you go online to buy all these things, it would cost you $41,165.95. Have, um, have you seen those ads on TV? Lexus is doing them. And there's one where the father and son are trying to hide this bow from the, from the lady of the house. And you, know, you see them. Oh, there she is in the next room. And, and they... Well, I think, I assume it's on Christmas morning, they take her outside and this giant red bow that they've been trying to hold the whole, hide the whole time is now sitting on top of a brand new Lexus SUV. And she walks out with her hands over her eyes and, <gasps> So honey, now you know what to get me for Christmas this year. But you know what? All of these things, the 12 days of Christmas, the Lexus with the giant red bow, none of these extravagant gifts mean a thing unless we receive them. Unless we receive them, they mean nothing. And so we're going to, re- to focus this morning on the story of someone who received the gift. His name was Simeon. And Gail read the scripture passage that tells about that incident in his life. And I want to share this morning five observations in the light of Simeon's encounter with the Christ child in the temple. Realizing that Jesus is the gift. And understanding that Jesus is a gift worth receiving. So... Let's talk about why was Simeon able to receive the gift of Jesus Christ? Well, number one, those who look for Jesus will find him. Those who look for Jesus will find him. The first observation I make when I look at Simeon in verse 25 of the passage that was read today is that whether it's 2,000 years ago in the temple at Jerusalem or today in the Longmont Church of the Nazarene, those who look for Jesus will find him. Again, verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word waiting for is what I would read from the NIV, but in the NASB, those words are translated as looking for. Simeon was looking for. The meaning here is interesting because the word looking means with intent. It carries with it a sense of expectation. It is... It's not a casual scanning of the crowd, but the kind of looking you would do in a crowd when you're searching for someone you know. You know, like that kind of a thing. I'm, where's Julie? I say that a lot. (laughs) Especially in crowds. (laughs) I said that last night. Or if you're into the hunting sports like I am, it's like when you go hunting, you're trying to spot game in the woods. You're looking intently for movement or a difference in color or something. So Simeon was on a search. He was looking intently and with expectation for the Messiah. 
Henry David Thoreau said, Many an object is not seen, though it falls within the range of the visual eye. How true that is. Many of us have had experiences where we've passed by someone and not really seen them. And yet, they may have been very close to us. Why was that? Well, it's because we weren't looking for them. I think we can all relate to that. Maybe, in your, maybe your mind was somewhere else or you were focused on something else so you did not see that individual even though they might have been right there. It's kind of like when you sit at the table and you ask for the salt and pepper and it's sitting right in front of your plate. I've done that before. Simeon saw Jesus because he was looking for Jesus. We see what we look for. Folks, if you're looking for God, you'll find Him. He's so findable to the searching heart and mind. Did you get that? He is findable to the searching heart and mind. You know, there are some folks out there that say you can't really know God. You can't really find God. Well, God is findable. He wants to be found. He wants you to find Him because He wants to find you. Contrast Simeon's intentional seeking for the Messiah and the story of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. See, Simeon found the one he sought. Bethlehem did not even notice him. There was no room for him in the inn. Remember that? No one was looking. So, Why was Jesus unnoticed in Bethlehem? Well, there's probably several reasons for that. One is busyness. I don't think Bethlehem was the only one that had a problem with busyness. Everybody was rushing. Everybody was running around. There was a census to be taken and a feeling like, I've got to get this thing done. Got to get, check it off the list. And in, bus- and in the business and rush of the moment, there was no room in the inn. And isn't that a temptation at Christmas time? I know I've been guilty. Satan once called a worldwide convention of demons. In his opening address, he said, We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from forming an intimate relationship with their Savior. Once they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So, let them go to their churches, but let them have their covered dish dinners. Excuse me, let them have their covered dish dinners, but let's do this. Let's steal their time. So they don't have time to develop a relationship with Jesus. This is what I want you to do, said the devil. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining their vital connection throughout their day. Well, how shall we do this, the demons asked. Well, keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend, 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 and borrow, borrow, borrow. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still, small voice. 
Entice them to play the radio or CD player whenever they drive. Keep the TV, VCR, and CDs and their PCs going constantly in their homes. Fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with the news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail. Boy, that one's been effective. Mail order catalogs, sweepstakes, and every kind of newsletter and promotional offer out there. Somebody sold my name and I've been getting piles of mail directed to Reverend Sid Seaver. Nobody even calls me that. Give them Santa Claus to distract them from teaching their children the real meaning of Christmas. Give them an Easter bunny so they won't talk about his resurrection and power over sin and death. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted. Keep them too busy to go out in nature and reflect on God's creation. Send them to amusement parks, sporting events, plays, concerts, and movies instead. Keep them busy, busy, busy. Crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to seek power from Jesus. Soon they will be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family for the good of the causes. It will work. I think he was right. Quite a plan. And so the demons went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busier and more rushed and rushed and rushed. Sometimes we're too busy to see Jesus. So busyness, that's why Bethlehem didn't see Jesus. And preoccupation. There are too many other things to think about. Important things. I mean, we've got to get back here to register for taxes. I'm sure that wasn't exciting in their minds, but it had to be done. And think of all those things that call for our attention and that are really important priorities in our lives. Or inconvenience. Maybe it was inconvenient to, to notice Jesus. Think about the mom and pop hotel. Mom and pop have all kinds of rooms in their hotel. It's not an issue of room. It's an issue of convenience. It's time to go to bed. They don't have the staff to monitor the desk all night long, so just put up the no vacancy sign. Just inconvenient. I wonder how many times we've done that to Jesus just put up the no vacancy sign because it wasn't convenient to make room for him at the time. And another reason Bethlehem didn't see Jesus is because they had no expectations. Unlike Simeon who expected to see Jesus, Bethlehem expected nothing and saw nothing. There was a South African who discovered one of the world's largest diamonds. It was the size of a small lemon. He wanted to get it to the home office in London as quickly and safely as possible. He put it in a steel box and hired four men to hand carry it to London. When it arrived, they unlocked the steel box. Much to their surprise, they found only a lump of coal. They were shocked. They didn't know what to do. 
Three days later, by parcel post in an ordinary box, the diamond arrived in London. You know what the sender was thinking? No one will look for a magnificent diamond in an ordinary box. No expectations. 2,000 years ago, God came wrapped in an ordinary box. And Simeon saw him. He saw him because he expected him to come in an ordinary wrapping. Ever noticed how many cars there are just like yours after you buy a new one? Amazing, isn't it? It doesn't mean that they weren't out there before. No, it just means you're more tuned in to seeing that kind of car now that you own one. We become more visually aware, and that's what happened to Simeon. He was visually aware. So how do we look like Simeon did? Well, we look through the eyes of faith, not fact. There are two kinds of people. Those who say, I've got to see it to believe it. And those who say, I've got to believe it to see it. Simeon saw through the eyes of faith. And, and Gail made a point of this already, he was a patient man. He kept looking even though discouraged. See, for 400 years there had been no prophecies concerning the Messiah. That's a long time to wait. 400 years of silence, yet Simeon kept looking for the Messiah. He never quit expecting. That's how we look, like Simeon did. And sometimes, sometimes the assurance comes before the answer. There are times when we know something's going to happen before we receive the answer in our lives. Verse 26 of the passage today that from Luke, if it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And I don't even know, maybe that was revealed to Simeon when he was a young man. I don't know. Have you ever had the assurance that something was going to happen before it actually did? You couldn't prove it, you knew, but you knew in your heart that something was going to happen. You began praying for someone to receive Jesus, and you already knew that they were a dead duck. Do you know what I mean by that? You knew that, that, that Jesus was going to, to come into their lives. It was just a matter of time. You know, some of you may be seeking this morning, even though you've not found Jesus yet. But you know somehow in your heart that the time is near. This Christmas is the time when you're going to find the one you're looking for, just like Simeon did. And I will tell you this. He, Simeon, came to the right place to find Jesus. He came to the right place to find Jesus. Moved by the Spirit, in verse 27 it says, He went into the temple courts. 
See, Simeon came with the right heart and he came to the right place. I believe that if you come to the church, the right place, and you have the right heart, you are going to see God. Now, is the church the only place to encounter God? No. But if we are doing what we should, if we come to the right, with the right heart, then our chance of encountering God is better here than any place I can think of. Because God has promised wherever two or three are gathered in His name, He is there with them. Right? See, there's a, there's a, the church is a special place where we seek God. Many of you can think of times when you came to church service and realized that God was there in a special way. Ever had that experience? No? Ever experienced God in a special way when you came to church? Yeah. So, let me make a point here real quickly. You know what I want more for this church than anything else? Um, not a bigger, nicer building, although we're working on doing some of those things. And not increased giving, also, although that's a great blessing. What I want for us is to be a people of God that come to worship where people who are either hurting or questioning or searching like Simeon, can walk into this church and here they can experience God. They can see God. They can find God. That's what I want. If that can happen here, that's all we need. And we need to know, and this is the next point this morning, Simeon, personally received Jesus. Simeon personally received Jesus. Can you imagine how Simeon felt in verse 28 of the passage that we read today when he took the Christ child in his arms and blessed God? Can you imagine holding God in your arms? I think the, one of the miracles of the, of the incarnation of God in the flesh is that God could fit himself in the package of a baby. How does a God who fills the universe fit himself into a package that small? I don't know. That's one thing that makes him God. If we could explain everything about God, he wouldn't be God anymore. We, we would have brought him down to human level, right? You, you just can't explain some things about God. It's amazing. Simeon held God in his arms. Think of the feeling. And folks, we all need to know Jesus personally. It's wonderful to know about Jesus. Hey, the demons of hell know about Jesus. Now, we need to know Jesus personally in it, not through our parents, not because we associate with Christians, not because we have a friend who knows Jesus personally. You cannot know God by proxy. We must know Jesus personally. 
And my prayer would be that everyone in this room today could say, I know that my Redeemer lives. Not my pastors, not my moms or my dads, not my husbands, not my wives, not my friends. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know Jesus personally. And then to finish it all off, when you receive Jesus like Simeon, you are prepared for death. What? Boy, talk about putting a blanket on this whole thing, Pastor. Well, listen, I'm not trying to be morbid or fatalistic. That doesn't mean you're going to die sometime soon. But it doesn't mean, it does mean that you're ready to die whenever that may be for you. Listen, folks, when you know Jesus, you face death in a whole different way. I probably told you before that um, I volunteered um, with the people at the mortuary in the town where we lived in eastern Oregon to do funerals for families who had no church or no pastor. Some of those funeral services were pretty interesting. Um, But let me tell you... um, For a lot of those people, you knew that, first of all, being in a funeral service was extremely uncomfortable for them. Facing the whole thing with death, it just... uh, You opened the doors to the mortuary chapel and it was like they stumbled over each other getting out of there. That's what was my experience. Dealing with death was... Because I think... There is this unknown. There is this fear. It's not, it's not a place we, we want to go in our minds. Unless you know Jesus. And then it's okay. Remember Paul said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my life. For to live is Christ, and to die is even better. It's gain. Wow, what a great view. I think that's the view that Simeon had. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared, speaking of Jesus, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You do not have to fear death if Jesus is your Savior. I had the privilege one time of going to a lady who had a short time to live because of cancer. And we had a man in our church. Uh, this was the wife of one of his... He managed... She was a manager at the big rail yard and this was one of his employees. And he came to me and he said, this man's wife's dying of cancer. She's fearful. Can you go talk with her? I did. I just told her about Jesus. I told her why I came. I told her why he died. I told her that he, raised, he was raised again. 
I told her that no, those who have Jesus has a promise of eternal life. She said, I want that. She accepted Jesus as her Savior. Her whole countenance changed like that. When I left there, it was like... Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to go. Why? Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I'm ready to go, he said, because I've seen him. Jesus is a gift worth you. Some years ago, Harry Reasoner, you remember Harry Reasoner? On 60 Minutes, did, an egg, uh, did this did this piece. He said, 11 years ago, I did a little Christmas piece and it seemed like a good idea to repeat it. The basis for this tremendous burst of buying things and gift giving and parties and near hysteria is a quiet event that Christians believe actually happened a long time ago. Yes, we do believe that. You can say that in all societies there has always been a midwinter festival and that many of the trappings of our Christmas are almost violently pagan. But you come back to the central fact of the day and the quietness of Christmas morning, the birth of God on earth. It leaves you only three ways of accepting Christmas. One is cynically, at a time to make money and endorse the making of it. One is graciously, that's the appropriate attitude for non-Christians, to wish their fellow citizens all the joys to which their beliefs entitle them. And the third, of course, is reverence. This is the anniversary of the appearance of the Lord of the universe in the form of a helpless babe. It is a very important day. Amen. It is a startling idea, of course, the whole story that a virgin was selected by God to bear his son as a way of showing his love and concern for man. It's my guess that in spite of all the lip service given to it, it's not an idea that has been popular with theologians. It is somewhat an illogical idea, and theologians like logic almost as much as they like God. It's so, revolution, so revolutionary a thought that it probably could only come from a God that is beyond logic and beyond theology. It is a magnificent appeal. Almost nobody has seen God and almost nobody has any idea what he is like. And the truth is that among men, the idea of seeing God suddenly and standing in a very bright light is not necessarily completely comforting or appealing idea. But everyone has seen babies, and almost everyone likes them. If God wanted to be loved as well as feared, he moved correctly. For a baby growing up learns about people, and if God wanted to be intimately a part of man, he moved correctly. For the experience of birth and familyhood is the most intimate and precious experience that any of us will ever have. So it comes beyond logic. It is either a falsehood or it is the truest thing in the world. It is a story of the great innocence of God the baby. God, in the power 
of man has seen, in, in, in the history of man, has seen such a dramatic shock like never anything before. And if this event is not true for Christians, then nothing is true. So if a person is touched only once a year, the touching is still worth it. And maybe on some given Christmas, some quiet morning, that gift will fit. The touch of God coming into this world as a vulnerable It's a gift worth receiving. Let me share this prayer with you. God, you're marvelous. You're a wise father. If we could have been God, we would have come in power, we would have come in splendor, we would have come in greatness and awesomeness, but you are secure. You're God, and you could have done that, but a secure God doesn't have to come in power and might and armies. A secure God can come in the flesh of a newborn baby. God, who created the world, became helpless. God, who put the stars into existence, thou lays in a manger, totally dependent upon a star to bring people to him. There are many reasons why I love you, God, and this is one of them, that you would come into this world so willing and so desirous to be one of us that you would literally become one of us. Not a God aloof on a throne, not a God that decrees, but a God who says, I will walk with them, I will live with them, I will die for them. And while we were yet sinners, we weren't looking for you, we, were, we weren't wanting you, and when you came we were so preoccupied that we didn't even know that you were here, but you came. And this morning you were doing something special. This morning you come for people who've been looking for you and you are becoming real for them. Maybe to this hour you've been a fact in history, but this morning you're becoming a personal God and Savior. And Father, as we prayed that prayer this morning, the question is, are you ready to receive the gift? And if we haven't, that's the question that you're putting before us. Are you ready to receive the, the indescribable gift of Jesus, the Son of God? Oh, as much emphasis as we put, Lord God, on Christmas and the coming, and we know that the coming was ultimately about the cross. For Jesus is called the spotless Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world that we might know forgiveness of sins through the shedding of His blood. We might know the purpose and meaning behind Christmas. We might celebrate Christmas not for Santa Claus and the music and the tinsel and the decorations and the food, although those things are wonderful and they're good, but we might celebrate Christmas for Jesus Christ. That amazing thing that God would choose to come and dwell among us 
put on the flesh of humanity. Show us that great part of love. Endure arguments about the scripture that he wrote from people that he created. Allow his body to be beaten, broken, to be spit upon, to be nailed to a criminal's cross. Pay a debt that we could never pay, for there's no way that a sinful people can wash away their own sins. We can't pay enough. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. It's only through the blood of Jesus. Behind the manger was the shadow of the cross. So this morning, if you have not received Jesus, if you came today thinking, I wonder what's going to happen, you just something in your mind and heart that told you that this might be a little different day in church for you. I would encourage you to pray this prayer. You can pray it in your own heart and mind with me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you came for the mission of dying on the cross and shedding your blood for the forgiveness of my sins. And I confess today that I need you to forgive me. And so I accept that forgiveness. And I thank you that you have offered that to me as a free gift. Jesus, I receive you today. I receive you today, the free gift of God. And I choose today to make you Lord of my life. I want from this day forward to follow your And I say thank you for all that you've done because you love me so much. I pray this in your name. And our heads bowed for just a moment. If anyone prayed that prayer with me today, would you just raise your hand quickly and say, Pastor, I chose to receive Jesus as Savior. Anyone that prayed that And Father, we thank you for the marvelous gift that Jesus is to us. And for the example of Simeon, who was ready to receive the gift when it was given to him. And Father, to know that as we receive the gift, it's not something to keep for ourselves, but something to pass on. And may we, in this season, be faithful to share the greatest gift, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ with those who come across our path. Give us the boldness and courage and care and concern for others to do exactly that. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. And remember, the, the Allen family will be with us tonight at 6 o'clock. Hope to see you here.